The most devastating stock market crash in U.S. history happened on October 29, 1929. The Bible predicts a future worldwide economic crash that will make the Great Depression look like pennies missing from a child's piggy bank. For a time, the Antichrist will rule the world economy and ancient Babylon will arise as the center of monetary power. And then the Bible says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a dwelling place for demons. For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. Is your hope in Wall Street, Main Street, or in the streets of gold laid by your Heavenly Father for a secure economic and eternal future? I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. In the first several chapters of Revelation, the Apostle John vividly describes the disease, death, and destruction that will mark the final years of planet Earth. But there's yet another crisis that will wreak havoc during the tribulation. And Ron covers it next as he continues his teaching series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. Stay with us or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, check out Something Good Television, Something Good Courses, Something Good Travel, and the new Something Good Digital Library where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. From Revelation chapter 18, here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message, The Coming Worldwide Economic Crash. Well, the most devastating stock market crash in U.S. history happened on October 29, 1929. And it was a time when the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 23% of its value in a single day. A month later, uh, the investment value was down $100 billion. That was a lot of money in the U.S. economy back in 1929. Historians refer to it as Black Tuesday. It began a 10-year plunge into economic decline that historians refer to as the Great Depression. And most of us were not living at that time. I see maybe a few say maybe you were born around that time, but most were not living. We read about it in textbooks, the Great Depression. We, We might have had grandparents that were born around that time. Uh, my grandparents on my mother's side, my grandfather in particular, he, he grew up during the Depression. He later became an accountant. Those two reasons by themselves uh, turned him into a very cautious man when it came to money and finances. I learned some of my caution from him. He lived in a very austere kind of way, and the lessons he learned growing up in that time perhaps produced that financial caution in him. That was Black Tuesday. I, re- I remember, though, Black Monday, October 19th, 1987. Now, most of us are old enough to remember this. 
I was two years out of college. And with a financial planning degree in my hand from Purdue University, I thought I was going to be a stockbroker, and I had just passed the Series 7 exam when Black Monday hit. The Dow lost 508 points in a single day. It closed that day at 1,728 some odd points. It was another 22.61 odd percentage drop in the value of the stock market then. And um, in one of my best timed career moments, when I thought I was going to be a stock market, Black Monday hit. And God, obviously, I had other plans for my life, but that, that kind of becomes self-evident when, when the bulls trample over you and the bears tear you up to pieces on Black Monday, right? Fast forward a little bit later, the year 2000. You know, at that time in our history, we were getting to know a place called Silicon Valley and companies like Microsoft and Cisco and Amazon and eBay, and this, this dot-com thing was taking place, and a bubble a bubble was beginning to form in the financial markets, and it eventually burst around the year 2000. And who would have known that just years later, something called the subprime mortgage financial crisis would be upon us in years 2007 through 2009, introducing what historians now refer to as the Great Recession. Of course, the federal government says that Great Recession ended in June of 2009, but many Americans today are still struggling financially. Uh, a record number of Americans are out of work, feeling like the recession even, well, they're feeling a little bit depressed about their personal finances. And you just look back at the history of the U.S. economy, even the world economy, there's one financial crisis after another. It happens about every 10 or 11 years but they seem to be happening more frequently. There are people today saying we're approaching another bubble in, in an aspect of our economy that is a little out of whack, and another financial crisis could be upon us. You say, well, what does all this have to do, Pastor, with, with Bible prophecy? Before I get to that, what does it all have to do with, with our lives personally? I, I want to suggest to you that too often our personal peace is tied to our financial success and our financial stability and the stability of the economies of the world. And, and when our personal peace is tied to that, it suggests to us that, that we lack just that much faith in God who has promised to supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm the first one as a guy with a little bit of a financial background to be all over the financial thing and, and to be a little bit nervous about all the economies and all that, but there's a point at which I even have to step back and say, do I trust God to take care of all of my needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus, or am I going to get uh, totally beside myself with the ups and downs of the economies and the ups and downs of bank accounts and investment accounts and all of that? When our personal peace is disturbed by this, and fear takes over. Well, fear eclipses our faith, does it not? But what does all this have to do with Bible prophecy? What does it all have to do with, with uh, the book of Revelation? Well, I want to suggest to you that there is a coming worldwide economic crash, meltdown, crisis, whatever you want to call it, like the world has never seen. It'll make 1929, 1987, 2000, even 2008 
looked like just, well, a little blip on the stock market radar. And the Bible prophesies this. It predicts it in Revelation chapter 18. Let's go back to chapter 18 and beginning in verse 1 where John says, After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. This must be an amazing, amazing angel, a powerful angel. He has great authority, uh, great power, and his, his brightness covers the earth. And, and John says he has a mighty voice. And here's what he says, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Now let's back up a little bit and remind ourselves of where we've been in our study of the book of Revelation. We've been focused on a seven-year period of time known as the tribulation, uh, future in Bible prophecy, and as I understand, a period of time that follows the next event on God's prophetic calendar called the rapture of the church. And during that seven-year period of time, there are three figures in the book of Revelation that, that sort of come to power and control planet Earth, one being the dragon, that is the devil, and then his, his CEO, his chief leader, the Antichrist, and then a third figure known as the false prophet. And during this seven-year period of time, the Antichrist, empowered, influenced, uh, possessed by the devil himself, in partnership with the false prophet, takes control of the world uh, politically, religiously, and economically. And many Bible scholars believe that there are three cities that we need to keep our eye on in the future, three cities uh, around which the Antichrist bases his operations. He bases his political operations in Rome. We've talked about uh, the revived Roman Empire, remember that ten-headed beast and, and all of that that we unpacked the imagery and we went back to Daniel and all the ancient empires of the world. Uh, many scholars believe that Rome will come into play and the Antichrist will base some of his operations there. With the help of the false prophet, uh, Jerusalem comes into play. Remember, the Antichrist uh, is, is a master at mixing politics and religion, and the false prophet, who is also an economic figure, develops a one-world religion and an amalgamated spirituality in the first three and a half years of the tribulation. But at the midpoint of the tribulation, the Antichrist seizes control of that. He, he, he uh, destroys the false prophet and the one-world religion. He moves into the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem and sets up a deified image of himself, which the devil has always wanted, and demands worldwide worship. So you got Rome for politics, you got Jerusalem for religious matters. And then in the book of Revelation, you hear the name Babylon over and over and over again. And many scholars believe that ancient Babylon will rise up from the ashes to become the financial capital of the world. Now, there's an interpretive decision we have to make here when we read about Babylon in the end of the age. Is it talking about Babylon symbolically, dating all the way back to the Tower of Babel, to the ancient and evil Babylonian empire, and all that that means symbolically? Or, or is it also talking about a, a literal city that rises up at the end of the age? And I think the answer to it is yes. It's kind of a both-hand. 
Uh, there's one way of looking at Revelation 17 and 18 in the mention of Babylon, that Revelation 17 uh, really focuses on a, a religious aspect of Babylon rooted in Jerusalem and around the false prophet. And Babylon there is kind of symbolic of the religious evil of Babylon. But in, in Revelation chapter 18, we shift to the economic side, and there are plenty of uh, references and phrases in chapter 18 that suggest there's an actual city here to which merchants go and uh, the world goes. And so it's, it's given many scholars some understanding that these three cities, even Babylon, literally come to some level of prominence at the end of the age, and the Antichrist rules the world from these three places. Up next, the second half of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Coming Worldwide Economic Crash. If you're listening to Something Good Radio for the first time, we'd like to send you a free chapter of Ron's most popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. Consider it our way of saying thanks for being part of our radio listening family. Stop by our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org, and click the I'm New icon right at the top of the homepage. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, share your prayer request with us by clicking on Explore. That's at the top of the homepage. And then scrolling down to the How Can We Pray For You option. You know, our ministry team would be happy to join you in prayer, so contact us anytime. Revelation speaks of the future fall of Babylon. But it cannot fall unless it first rises again. With the rest of today's Something Good radio message, The Coming World Economic Crash, here's Dr. Ron Jones. Uh, some of you who are adept in Bible prophecy and you've been listening over the weeks, you may say, but, but Pastor, what about the ancient prophecy of Isaiah chapter 13 who prophesied about the destruction of Babylon? Hasn't Babylon been destroyed? Well, my former pastor and uh, Bible prophecy expert, David Jeremiah, clarifies this when he writes, since some teach that the prophecies concerning Babylon's destruction have already been fulfilled, it is important to separate the fall of Babylon in history with the destruction of Babylon in the future. He says, Persia did not destroy Babylon in 539 B.C., as some have taught. When Cyrus captured Babylon, he did it by subterfuge, not by military destruction. You can read about that in Daniel chapter 5. He says, on the evening of Belshazzar's garish banquet, suddenly the hand of God appeared, writing on the wall. The message read, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. That prophecy came true on that very night as the Medo-Persian army took over the city. He goes on to say, the conquerors did not destroy the city. They made it the secondary capital of the Persian Empire. When the Greeks conquered the Persians in 331 BC, Alexander the Great made Babylon his capital and died there. So neither has Babylon ever been desolate as Isaiah prophesied it would be in chapter 13 of his prophecy. He goes on to say, in fact, Babylon exists today in central Iraq as a province and an area of 5,603 square kilometers containing eight cities with a combined population of 1.6 million people. He says, as we can see in the centuries since the ancient empires, Babylon has faded into obscurity but not into oblivion. It has degenerated from a great city to its present status 
as an Iraqi province, but if we take the Bible seriously, we must understand that Babylon must rise to power again in order to receive the judgment that Isaiah, Jeremiah, and John the Apostle have prophesied. Certainly not too long ago, Saddam Hussein, when he was reigning in Iraq, saw himself as the reincarnation of King Nebuchadnezzar. And Hussein began to rebuild the city of Babylon. One of my professors in seminary, Dr. Charles Dyer, wrote a book many, many years ago called The Rise of Babylon, and he put Saddam Hussein's picture on the front, sold like 300,000 copies back then because that was in the news. Well, obviously, Hussein's uh, ambitions and his life came to an end thanks to the United States military, but here's what I say. Keep your eye on Babylon. Keep your eye on that ancient city because it, it appears in Revelation chapter 18 that it becomes the financial capital of the Antichrist empire where he seizes control not only of the world politically and religiously, but also financially. And God is going to destroy Babylon. He's going to completely, he's going to fulfill the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah and completely, completely destroy Babylon. That's part of the reason why it needs to rise again, because it's fallen as an empire, but it was never completely destroyed where it was uninhabitable. That's what Isaiah says in his prophecy. Well, people are inhabiting it today, so we have to look to a future rise of this ancient city of Babylon. Uh, let's talk about the rise of Babylon before Jesus returns and why God will destroy this economic Babylon at the end of the age. Let's work our way through chapter 18. There are five or six reasons why God will destroy her. First of all, because Babylon will be a home for demons. Look again in verses 1 and 2. Verse 2, and he called out with a mighty voice, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Listen to this, she has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. From the beginning of time all the way back to the Tower of Babel when Nimrod, one of the first despots and dictators, tried to control the world and build this tower in defiance against God, to much later the uh, rising up of the uh, the evil Babylonian empire, satanic presence and, 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 and uh, demonology have always been a part of that civilization. In fact, if you go back to the time of Daniel and the Babylonian captivity, the 70 years of captivity that the Israelites were under, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, a wicked, evil, uh, arrogant, prideful despot, his closest advisors were astrologers and soothsayers and magicians. Because demonism and satanic influence have, has always been a part of Babylon. And it's one of the reasons God will destroy her at the end of the age. A second reason is because Babylon will be a haven for every kind of seduction. Read on in verse 3. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. This echoes one of the prophecies found in Jeremiah chapter 51 and verse 7, where Jeremiah describes Babylon as a golden cup in the Lord's hands, making all of the earth drunken, and the nations drank of her wine, therefore the nations went mad. 
Babylon has always been a place where uh, pleasures and sensualities and seductions that might be illegal in other places of the world are legal in Babylon. And that will be the case at the end of the age. That every perversion, every immorality, every uh, uh, pleasure that might be illegal in one part of the world will be legal in Babylon. And so every pervert in the world, all the kings, all the uh, people in the world who want to uh, have unfettered and uncontrolled indulgences will go to Babylon and drink the wine of their sexual immorality there. God will destroy Babylon for that reason. There's a third reason he destroys Babylon, and that is because Babylon will heap up sins as high as heaven. Thanks so much for joining us for Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. And if you've missed part of today's message, The Coming Worldwide Economic Crash, or if you'd like to hear it again, visit somethinggoodradio.org to stream on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed something good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to something good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. None of us can accomplish God's will without a little help. Today, with your help, Something Good Radio will keep sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through these radio and internet broadcasts. When you partner with us, we'll send you a free copy of Ron Jones' full-length book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. To join the 828 Club today, please visit our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org, and use the Partners tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org, or call 757-276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we love for you to have the complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. That's all 20 messages in Ron's teaching series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse. It's our gift to you by request for your gift to Something Good Radio. Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices 757-276-1099. Uh, I, I get a little uh, torqued around the corners when I think of an overreaching government that runs up debts as high as the heavens and then wants to reach in to potentially 
your 401k account and my 401k account to pay off those debts. If not the first, I'd be the second one to join a revolution on something like that. And then I have to take another step or two back and realize <laughs> if, if the world plunders my possessions, if some overreaching government plunders my possessions as it did in the first century and with the early church, I have to remember where my ultimate inheritance is. It's not in this earth. And that's why I started with our personal peace. If our personal peace is too tied to our financial stability and our financial security, uh, maybe we've drifted away from faith in God just that much, right? That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Coming Worldwide Economic Crash. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.